Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Father, we praise you and we thank you and we thank you for this being a blessing to your people and um, encouraging them that the times are about to change. Thank you so much, Father. Amen. Okay, we're going to call this the coming man-child. And um, the first article is um, Crucifixion of the Man-Child, Murray Kelton, 529-23. She said, During the meeting I had an open vision of a brown volcano, and there was fog around it. The volcano... I believe, represents the earth and the flesh. You know, what's coming out of the earth, so on and so forth. The uh, sky was light purple color, and purple represents royalty in, in the heavenlies. Um, the sun, uh, S-U-N slash S-O-N, was over the mouth of the volcano in the sky. Well, we know God is sovereign over all judgments and chaos. He is over it, right? Revelation 19 and 15 says, And out of his mouth proceedeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God the Almighty. I then saw a hand come down from heaven and push the S-U-N slash S-O-N into the volcano. After the sun slash sun was pushed into the volcano, it erupted. <clears throat> well, we know the Lord is coming, and we know that uh, the first thing he is coming in is a crucified body of the man-child. And at that time, there's going to be an eruption. Now, the earth's uh, trouble in the earth, right? He's always needed when there's trouble in the earth. So, this next article we're going to call Factious Repent. That's Tiana Fire, 529-23. I dreamed that I worked in a lodge in the USA as an exchange student. And there was a young American man with tanned skin who worked there too. He asked me out, and I rejected him. So he turned against me and uh, went online to spread false statements about me. Well, that's, that's kind of the way of the factious. Um, they get offended at anything. Their ego is utmost and most important to them. Um, and, it's, and this is all part of the crucifying of the flesh process for the bride, right? He created an account using my name pretending to be me. Uh, an older female who also worked at the lodge found out about this the man's actions, and it was obvious to her that the online account wasn't mine, and 
there was direct evidence that the statements that he made about me were false. Well, that represents the false accusations um, from the factious. And, um, you know, the father is the, uh, the devil is the accuser of the brethren, and they are children of the devil unless they repent. So this, uh, this lady then hired a male lawyer without me knowing so that uh, they could prosecute the man to get him to take all the untrue accounts down. And when I found out that she had done this, I told her I didn't want a lawyer and that God would handle it his way instead. True, true. Uh, as a result, uh, nothing <clears throat> was done in the man's terms. And when the crucifixion is over, of course, God destroys the Judases, the Hamans, the Absaloms, the Herods, you know, these people who destroy God's people. And after this scenario, the man who made the false statements against me could not look me in the eye, uh, talk to me, uh, or despite me uh, being kind to him and me forgiving him and me offering friendship to him. He avoided me and then left the job not long afterwards. Well, we know that um, always forgive and pray for those who persecute you. Amen? Don't hold anything personal against them. Uh, they might be out to destroy the brethren, in which case you can step in and point things out. And that's or let the Lord will do that with the dreams and revelations, right? Seven years later, maybe that's the end of the tribulation period, I don't know. I was helping in, in a refuge, and I was told that there was a man there who was wanting to speak with me. And when I went to see who this uh, was, I realized it was the same man with whom I worked at the lodge. So the elect among the factious will repent in tribulation and be saved. Praise the Lord. And that's the elect, right? I quickly ran to him with my arms open with a big hug for him. He started bawling, and he displayed real repentance and was truly sorry for what he had done to me. And he was overwhelmed by God's love and forgiveness through me. The man's life was changed. He was following Jesus and began working in the refuge with the brethren. Well, our leading example of Christ in us draws uh, in his true children, and this also represents some of the uh, factious being granted repentance and coming back to the real Jesus. Some of them were just deceived into this and uh, uh, weren't in terrible sin before, which usually opens people up to this kind of stuff, especially when God wants to cleanse the body. Right. Okay, 1 Corinthians 6, 5 through 11. I, I say this to move you to shame. What cannot there be found among you, one wise man who shall be able to decide between his brethren? But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before unbelievers. Nay, already it is altogether a defect in you that you 
have lawsuits one with another. Why not rather take the wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? Nay, but ye yourselves do wrong and defraud, and that your, and that your brethren. Or know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with men, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And, of course, this is what faction and witchcraft does to a person. Uh, but for those who repent, there is verse 11. <laughs> and such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. So the righteous will be cleansed of all these things, you know. But uh, the wicked, well, especially the factious, they pretty well do all of these things. So um, this one we call the prodigal son returning. This is Winnie Asagata, 529-23. For the morning prayer meeting on this day, I received, well, before that I'm going to say this, uh, the parable of the prodigal son when the man-child is crucified, um, uh, some elect of the factious will return and be restored because they are elect and they were seen uh, to repent and come to the Lord before the foundation of the world. So here's the word that she received, Luke 15, 11 through 32. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of thy substance that falleth unto me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there he wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the country. Well, there it is again, the tribulation, right? And he began to be in want, which they will. And he went and joined himself to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. But when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish here with hunger. Yes, the Lord knows how to do that. And uh, verse 18 goes on to say, I will arise and go to my father. I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And in thy sight, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was yet afar off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And in thy sight I am no more worthy to be called thy son. 
we'll notice that uh, grief and the um, repentance was there, right? Uh, it's a good time for someone and the only way to come to the Father after you've been living a riotous life, right, is by repentance, confession of sin. Uh, the devil doesn't like people confessing sins because he loses his house. So he tries to resist that. And if he's capable of doing that, it probably means that the Lord hasn't granted this person repentance yet. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and make merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. There are many out there who are dead, even considering themselves Christians or falsely claiming to be Christians, but they're dead. He was lost and is found. So they get lost. <laughs> Some people say, oh, no, you can't get lost. Oh, yes, you can. And he did. He was lost. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and he, as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called to him one of the servants and inquired what these things might be. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. But he was angry, and would not go in. And his father came out, and entreated him. But he answered, and said unto his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, and I never transgressed a commandment of thine, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But when this thy son came, who hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou killest for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that is mine is thine. But it was meet to make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead. And is alive again, and was lost, and is found. So the elect among the factious will be saved. It will be by repentance and confession of sin, exactly as this was, right? I then took a nap, and after the morning prayer meeting, I had the following dream. I dreamed that Chuck and I were in front of David's house, and there was someone coming up uh, the very steep hill. In the dream, the hill was directly in front of David's house, as opposed to off on the side like it is in real life. And it was much, much steeper than it is in the natural. Well, the house of David on Mount Zion seems to be what's being spoken of here. Sometimes God changes it just enough that you know it's not the natural, right? Um, I saw someone coming up the steep hill with a baby stroller, and I realized when they got all the way up that it was my cousin, Valerie, which means healthy and strong. She looked like she was, uh, she would be walking up that hill for sure. <laughs> She uh, looked like she was struggling and was barely going to make it. So I told Chuck that maybe 
he should help her. But just when I thought she wasn't going to make it, she did. Uh, Joshua 1, 6 and 7 says, Be strong and of good courage, for thou shalt cause this people to inherit the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be strong and be very courageous to observe to do all uh, the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest have good success whithersoever thou goest. And of course, climbing up Mount Zion uh, to the top represents, you know, taking that position as the bride, right? So there were a few people who came up behind Valerie, and I saw that it was some of my other cousins or family members, and I believe my family members represent people who were once brethren and fell away, but to whom the Lord is granting repentance, and they will return. So one of the other cousins I recognized was my cousin Yanril, which uh, means freedom-loving. So, well, he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Those who want freedom will climb Mount Zion, right? I invited them in, and I asked Valerie if they had been to David's house before. And she said, yes, they had. Well, in the natural, uh, my family members came with some children, and one of them was a toddler who was of mixed race. His hair was coarse with uh, blonde highlights in it. And at some point before we went inside, we began to pray in the Spirit for these family members, and specifically for the little boy, the toddler, who came with them who had gotten injured. We all entered David's house, and it was packed. And I saw that there were quite a few people there, local UBM and otherwise. I remember specifically seeing Barry sitting on a couch. I picked up the little boy who we had been praying for and nurtured and prayed and played with him as my desire was to make the little boy and all the rest of them feel invited and comfortable. Amen. My cousin... Valerie said the little boy belonged to a friend of mine from Brooklyn named Vanessa, which means butterfly. Not to be confused with Vanessa from our local fellowship. And just then, David and Michael walked in, and I said, David, you got a full house. And he said, with a smile on his face, I see. David and Michael proceeded to walk into the kitchen. My family members were getting ready to leave as they were just visiting, and I walked them out. And when I got outside, there was a large brown horse out there that attempted to chase me. I went back inside the house to let David know about the horse that was chasing me, and David said that the horse was sick and something was wrong with him. And I said, oh, so the horse is delusional? And he said, yes. Uh, well, we have authority over our flesh, uh, our beastly flesh, 
and the power of the enemy. Psalm 147 and 10 says, He delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh no pleasure in the legs of a man. Meaning, of course, those who walk in the flesh and uh, harness the beast to do their works, right? And that was the end of the dream. She said, after I woke up uh, from this dream, I shuffled my scripture playlist and received Psalm 65 and 4. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, thy holy temple. Yes, the Lord chooses and he causes those to approach unto him. He also chooses and he causes to be uh, crucifiers, the wicked. It's just history, right? I also opened the Bible to a verse by faith at random and received Acts 11 and 17. If then God gave unto them the like gift as he did unto us also, uh, when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? And when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also hath God granted repentance unto life. Well, there's a, a key there. God grants repentance. Some he will not grant, and others he will. Praise God. So, this next one, we called it Precious One Born on the 70th Week. Aha! I believe it's right at the beginning of the 70th week, right? This is Claire Pinar, 5-27-23. I dreamed my friend Jessica called me up to say she was still pregnant with her third daughter, Ruby. Jessica means God sees or wealthy. Ruby means red. Well, that reminded me of this, Proverbs 3 and 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. In verse 15, she is more precious than rubies. And none of the things that thou canst desire are to be compared unto her. That is wisdom. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retaineth her. Well, who is more precious than rubies, right? Uh, Jesus the man-child who is the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1 and 24. But unto them that are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Yes, those who agree with the word of God are wise people. Those who speak it are wiser people. She was now uh, 62 and a half weeks pregnant. Well, the man-child ministry is born just before the tribulation 70th week. All right. So, the midwives were checking her daily, and everything was still on track. 
In the dream, I knew that she would be pregnant until 68 to 70 weeks had passed. Well, the 70th week of Daniel is when the tribulation starts, obviously. Uh, She hadn't grown bigger. She had stabilized and was waiting patiently. Well, so are we. We wait patiently for the coming of the man-child or Jesus in the man-child. Amen. I asked the Lord for a word by faith at random for this dream, and my finger was on straight away. And little children, John 13, 32 and 33. And God shall glorify him in himself, and straightway shall he glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, you cannot come. So now I say unto you. (laughs) Um, I asked if I should uh, send this on to David Eels, and my finger was on yay (laughs) from Proverbs 31 and 20. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. There's the yay. So this one we called the cake. And this was Claire Pinar, 5, 8, 23. I dreamed I was baking a cake for my friends in my kitchen. Well, hospitality, doing good to those coming into the kingdom uh, whom we love. Uh, receiving those God uh, sent is receiving God, which correlates with the verse Claire received by faith at random for this dream. John 13 and 20 said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And also, uh, Psalm 119, 103, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Well, Lord Jesus, our Master, came to serve, did he not? Matthew 20 and 28, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Yeah, I was aware in the dream that my children and I were going somewhere at the end of the week. Uh, that's right. Well, you know what comes at the end of the week. That's those that are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord and the resurrection of the dead. And they're going somewhere, right? And it was not quite the end of the week yet. It was Thursday or Friday in the dream. Well, a week, of course, equals seven days, and number seven and 70 are alike in representation of seven years, okay? Daniel 9 and 24 says, Seventy weeks are decreed upon thy people and upon thy holy city. I'll make a point to you that the people changed at the time Jesus came, and the holy city changed, too. It is now born from above into the life of people uh, like the Philadelphia Church, the Church of Brotherly Love, right? So, to finish transgression, 
and to make an end of sins. Obviously, the old city and people didn't do that, but the new city of people will come to this end, right? Uh, And to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. So the end of the week represents the start of the next seven days slash years, uh, which is the tribulation period. That's the 70th week, right? I did everything just as the recipe said, but for some reason, as I poured the batter into the cake tins, the tins expanded and deepened to accommodate the excess batter. That's neat. Uh, The cake can represent the word that we follow. We aim to follow the recipe of God's word exactly and obeying what we know and understand, and he will bring the increase. Preparing the bread for the wilderness, tribulation ahead could be this, right? Matthew 13 and 33 says, Another parable spake he unto them, The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until it was all leavened. So the kingdom of heaven also is a leaven, and it changes people, just like uh, uh, the bad leaven changes, right? Okay, and of course, this three measures of meal, I believe, are spirit, soul, and body. God wants to sanctify the whole person. 1 Kings 19, 5 through 8 says, And he lay down and slept under a juniper tree, and behold, an angel touched him, and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake bacon on the coals and a cruise of water. And he did eat and drink, and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time, and touched him, and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose, and did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. I baked it, and the cake rose so much that it stood about 70 centimeters high. There's that 70 again. And when I took it out of the oven, all in one with no layers. Hmm. So 2 Corinthians 9, 8 through 11 says, And God is able to make all grace abound unto you, that you, having always all sufficiency in everything, may abound unto every good work. As it is written, He that scattereth abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness abideth forever. And he that supplies seed to the sower and bread for food shall supply and multiply your seed for sowing, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, you being enriched in everything unto all liberality, which worketh through us thanksgiving to God. What a powerful, powerful promise. And Luke 13, uh, 18 through 21, he said, therefore, unto what is the kingdom of God like? And whereunto shall I liken it? 
It is like unto a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and cast into his own garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the heavens lodged in the branches thereof. And again he said, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till it was all leavened. So, 70 and 7 is closely related, <laughs> right? Um, forgiveness, uh, 70 and 7. The cake was bright yellow, and I had bright yellow icing uh, with which to ice it. Yellow could be a warning, or it could represent the sun, slash S-O-N, uh, Psalm 19.10 says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the droppings of the honeycomb. Amen. So the cake was very soft and moist. You would think a cake that soft wouldn't hold shape, but it did. But it was beautiful, and it reminded me of a beehive. Hmm. Proverbs 24 and 13. My son, eat thou honey, for it is good, and the droppings of the honeycomb, which are sweet to thy taste. And, Proverbs 27 and 7. The full soul loatheth a honeycomb, but the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. <laughs> yeah. Bees could represent uh, the ones making the sweet honey of the word of the promises. Amen. It is sweet in our mouth, that little book, right? When I cut into it, I cut a block away, and the cake changed shape from being roundish to being in the shape of a seven. There's that seven again. The cake prepared for the seven-year tribulation. I believe we're working on that cake. I believe it's going to be sweet to an awful lot of people, especially those that are stuck in dead religion and they don't know. It's all still true. <laughs> and while I was doing this, I was listening to my friends, Emma and Anna, who were in the kitchen with me, describing their birth stories and how they cared for their newborns. One said, I just kept the baby in the pram as I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> and the other said, I had lots of experience with babies growing up, and yet I struggled. So both of these women are fabulous mothers in the natural, so this is showing spiritual deficits. Uh, the difficulty in bringing forth and maturing fruit. Yes, this is what it's really talking about. Our fruit coming forth, right? I never got to share my birth story. Well, they are coming to learn how to take care of spiritual newborns the perfect way, God's way. Not how they were taught in the apostate churches, right? Your spiritual man has to grow. You have to feed him. He lives on the Word of God. Amen. The real Word of God. 
And this one we called A Detour to Victory. Claire Pinar, 510-23. I dreamed I was in a communal residence and I was married. So many girls were jealous of me because I was married to Rion. They would not look at me nor acknowledge me. Well, let me say that the bride in the Song of Solomon was criticized for longing after the king, right? I went to them and told them uh, I love them and I believe that they can be just as happy as I am. But they failed to believe it for themselves. Many were overweight, struggling with many problems that showed on the outside. Even so, I still believed they could all be married. Well, 1 Corinthians 13 and 7 says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. God is a God of miracles. Don't sell him short, right? Then I was driving in a car with my mom next to me, and she was encouraging me to get to Rion quicker. Well, the original gospel, once delivered unto all, encourages us to get to the man-child Jesus quicker. In Jude 3, Beloved, while I was giving all diligence to write unto you of our common salvation, I was constrained to write unto you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered unto the saints. Yes, contend for that faith, not the modern Christianity that you see out there. And to do that, you must get into the Word for yourself and seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And also 1 John 2 and 24, As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. That's the Word of God, right? If that which you heard from the beginning abide in you, you also shall abide in the Son and in the Father. Okay, that's very important because you can't bear fruit unless you abide in the Son and in the Father. And, and that's going back to abiding in which you heard from the beginning. Get your Bible out and find out what it's all about, especially the New Testament. I knew the way to Rion. My mom's GPS wasn't working, so I needed to remember exactly how to get to him. And there had been road closures, road construction, and detours. We stopped on the side uh, of the road, and an old lady called Victoria, could be symbolical here, helped us by prompting me with directions near an old boys' school. Victoria means victory, right? So this helped me tremendously. They're wanting to find their way to Rion, right? Who I believe represents the man-child here. Then Rion appeared to me in a vision to show me a hand-drawn detour that I would have to take because of construction elsewhere. Well, Matthew 7 and 14 says, Narrow is the gate, and straighten the way that leadeth unto life, and few are they that find it. 
Romans 8, 37 through 39 says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. In other words, victorious, right? Through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we go through trials and tribulations, we have to stop and remember that we have the victory in Christ. And we have the original gospel. The real good news is with us. Amen. When I got to Rion in the dream, my mom had arranged a two-night stay for, for her and I at a really lovely bread and breakfast. But we spent most of our time with Rion, and at the end of the stay, he said to me, Next time, you need to stay with me, or you need to book us into a bread and breakfast. Okay, Hebrews 10, 19-25 says this, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus, and by the way which he dedicated for us, a new and living way, which is through the veil, that is to say, his flesh and having a great priest over the house of God. Well, the veil was the way into the presence of God, wasn't it, in the tabernacle. Verse 22, Let us draw near with a true heart and fullness of faith, having hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and having our body washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope that it waver not, for he is faithful that promised. People find this hard, and it takes practice. You know, holding fast your confession, and don't waver. God will give you the answers. 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking our own assembling together, as the custom of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day dawning nigh. And we're encouraged to remain in Christ once you find him. Uh, Don't depart. Amen. Then I was back at the communal residence, and I was washing my hair and body with other people's toiletries. And I was so excited to use other products, and it smelled much nicer than my own. Second Corinthians 7 and 1 says, Having therefore these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And God would not tell you that if you couldn't do it, right? And that was when she woke up. She said, I received by faith at random, Ezekiel 16, 26 through 29. And uh, I might say that this speaks of being spoiled by the world and its ways rather than after Christ. Okay. Thou hast also committed fornication with the Egyptians, thy neighbors, great of flesh, and hast multiplied thy whoredom to provoke me to anger. 
Behold, therefore, I have stretched out my hand over thee, and have diminished thine ordinary food, and delivered thee unto the will of them that hate thee, the daughters of the Philistines that are ashamed of thy lewd way. That's something when the world (laughs) doesn't like the way you act, and you're supposed to be representing Christ, right? Thou hast played the harlot also with the Assyrians, because thou wast insatiable. Yea, thou hast played the harlot with them, and yet thou wast not satisfied. Thou hast moreover multiplied thy whoredom unto the land of traffic, unto Chaldea, and yet thou wast not satisfied herewith. So they went to Babylon, right? Okay, this one we call End Times Choices, and this is anonymous, 6-1-23. I dreamed that the world was in utter chaos, even worse than now, and there was evil everywhere. You could not go out in public without seeing people outwardly sinning. There were many disasters worldwide and the governmental structure was different, and there was chaos worldwide. I believe this is coming, matter of fact. There is another kingdom coming after this kingdom that is conquering Babylon, right? Persecution had begun for people who didn't want to submit and agree with the new world structure and the way of doing things, and the gross sin that was in public. For example, sexual sins were happening openly in public, but there were many who were against it. Some people that were against these evils would protest and try to fight in their own way. Others would try to escape it by uh, living off-grid in the middle of nowhere. However, most of the population was in favor of all the newly permitted sins being allowed in public. Isn't that sad? But it's headed that way. The current culture of belonging, which represents diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah. A simple definition encompasses the symbiotic Uh, relationship, philosophy, and culture of acknowledging, embracing, and supporting, and accepting those of all racial, sexual, gender, religious, and socioeconomic backgrounds, among other differentiators. These values are now held by many organizations that are working to be supportive of different groups of individuals. Yes, So I heard a refuge that followed Jesus, and uh, they gave away free home-cooked meals and free bedrooms because there was such chaos in the world, there wasn't as much food available as before, and most people were unemployed, so having food was a privilege. I went to the refuge that was similar to a motel. The owners were a couple who said they followed Jesus, and there were scriptures up all around their refuge. 
They gave me a free room, and I had a plate of food and went to the common area to eat. And as I was there, I saw many different people who were homosexuals. I knew I could not stay here, and I did not want to eat the food. So I left it on a table and left the place completely. And I took refuge in the home of real brethren. An older brother in Christ was telling me that this was the start before the real tribulation began. He said that these are the birthing pains increasing, and then they will come against God's true children. True. He said that there will be three different groups of God's children. The first group is the ones who try and fight uh, and will be taken to concentration camps and eventually killed. Uh, that's the rebellious and the political people, right? The second group is the ones who try to run away and hide in their own strength, but will be captured and killed. And that might be the fearful and the unbelieving. And the third group uh, is the ones that completely are hidden in Christ and the enemy will not find them. That's those who believe and abide in Christ. He said that the third group will be a small number. True. Matthew 22 and 14 said, For many are called, but few chosen. And Revelation 17 and 14, These shall war against the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they also that overcome, that are with Him, called called and chosen and faithful. That's those who are going to be with Him to the end. The called and the chosen, not just the called, and the chosen and faithful. The older brother in Christ said, God gives us a choice of which one he will use us for, and it's all for his glory. The man then went to bed, and he turned off the light to the room that I was in. I then went into deep prayer in God's presence, asking of him to let me be completely hidden in Christ, and that he would keep me in the secret place of the Most High, now and forever. Amen. Good prayer. Okay, we call this UBM Refuge Waits for Revival and the Anointing. And this is Tiana Fire, 1227-22. I dreamed that I was in a city walking around, and the Lord revealed to me in spirit who and where his lost sheep were. I went up to two men and spoke to them about our Lord, and I shared some testimonies with them, and they wanted to know more, and they wanted to follow me back to where I was living. So Luke 24 and 32, and they said one to another, was not our heart burning while we spake to us, while he spake to us in the way, as he opened to us the scriptures. Amen. I felt that they were allowed to come as I could see a little light in them and that it would grow. 
They wanted to get some food as they were expecting a long journey to where I was living. We went into a shop and got food, but it was as if no one could see us because nobody looked at us, and it was quick and easy to get in and out of the shop. Well, getting food in the city represents being weak to the weak because those men are baby Christians and only know the world's way, right? After we ate, they asked me where we would be going to next, and I asked them to follow me and for each one to hold my hand. I prayed, and we were lifted up into the air and quickly flew out of the town. In other words, heavenly places in Christ. Abiding in Christ is the secret place of the Most High. We went over forests, over water, and we landed on an island. This could also represent um, translation, which, believe me, it is still with us. It happened to me before. And, in fact, a couple of times. Uh, an island represents sanctification. And uh, I believe this is representative of Mount Zion and the refuge, right? All UVM brethren were living on the island, and most of us had our own house, while we all shared communal hall kitchens, foods, and a building that had many desks. Um, Every person had their own part to do. Okay, I believe this represents each part of the body of Christ where the unleavened bread is being taught. Uh, That is where there is unity in Christ. I led the two men to the elders, and they showed them and explained to them everything they needed to know. I remember at one point that everyone was gathered together in the building with the desks, and we were all studying and reading the Word together. Well, concerning this translation of the lost people to the refuge, we've had dreams about this many times. And uh, actually, our brethren were going out and bringing people back by translation. Most supernatural things are going to happen in the tribulation. We were preparing and waiting for a massive revival that we knew was coming. The Lord said that we would have thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people come through, and everything was being prepared for that. We were spiritually preparing to give all that we had received from the Lord to all the baby Christians to learn, grow, and overcome. We had also prepared a physical place uh, for many people to be able to stay with us. Matthew 10 and 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, Freely you have received, freely give. Anyone who wanted to get to this place had to fly there with someone from UBM. They could not get here on their own. Yes, we've had dreams where the angels were guiding people here and also, like I said, translations and things. 
So flying to sanctification represents living in heavenly places in Christ, right? And flying also can represent the translations from place to place, which I have experienced. And uh, John 14 and 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh unto the Father but through me. Brethren would fly all around the world, and God would lead them to the lost sheep and speak with them, and sometimes they would come back. But right now, there was only a small amount of people allowed to come here, and only a few baby Christians were arriving. That's because the heat is going to be turned up the further you go into the tribulation, and more and more people will recognize their need for God. In the, in the future, there would be many more, and for now, we are all still in training. Everyone was so excited for what was to come. Every person living on this island knew and manifested their authority in Christ, and all their prayers were answered. Everyone was always speaking the word, and there were no distractions, and everything was always focused on Christ. Everyone had such boldness in the word and their faith, and everyone was so strong in the spirit. Each of the brethren manifested Jesus, and we all had such boldness and faith and manifested the word. Ephesians 3. 14 through 21 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, that you may be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inward man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, to the end that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be strong to apprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, that is, all of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled unto all the fullness of God. There's a confirmation to my statement. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, that's pretty good, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus unto all generations forever and ever. Amen. It was amazing how everyone and everything was all about Jesus. Every moment and everyone was so on fire for God every second. The flesh wasn't a hindrance, and it was so easy to follow the Holy Spirit. Everyone was so encouraging and in unity, and uh, each person manifested joy, peace, patience, and all the holy fruit. It was so awesome. Well, the latter rain anointing uh, could be represented here, and there is great delight when overcoming all things in Christ. Amen. First John 5 and 4 says, 
Because whatsoever is begotten of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that hath overcome the world, our faith. And Revelation 3 and 21 says, Who overcometh, I will give to him to sit down with me in my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. At one point, I flew by the power of the Holy Spirit to California and testified. However, the ones I testified to did not receive the word, even though God wanted me to testify to them, or else you wouldn't have been translated there, right? (laughs) True. So Matthew 10 and 40 says, He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Because I had testified to these people, and they heard me, but did not listen. I knew it was time for me to leave, but they weren't allowed to see me fly away. Uh, Representing those who have heard, but deny the truth, and cannot deny this account before God. Yes, they weren't allowed to see that. Luke 10 and 16. He that heareth you heareth me, and he that rejecteth you rejecteth me, and he that rejecteth me rejecteth him that sent me. Next I was walking on a beach to get to a spot where no one could see me. I knew I was in California, but this beach looked nothing like the beaches in California. The sand was darker than in California and the ocean water was also very dark. Then the sand from the water rose up higher, and it rose till a big hill formed that had trees and bushes all over it. I walked between the water and the hill, and I walked past six dead boars in the water, and There were two boars alive to my left on the sand. Well, the beast kingdom is represented by the six dead boars. They're all dead in their sins. The dark sand and water represents judgment to those who hear but do not listen and obey. Like the demoniac's deliverance. And that killed the hogs, right? Once I got to a more secluded spot on the beach, I was going to fly back home. I was wondering why God had me testify to those people, even though they weren't receiving what God had had me list uh, had me testify. I I woke up and had a strong feeling to write down this dream, as it was so amazing. But when I woke. I got attacked with a heavy witchcraft, and I struggled so much to properly wake up and grab my phone. I accidentally fell back asleep, so I couldn't quite remember every little detail of the dream. But I remember that there was so much more than what I had written, and everything was so exciting, encouraging, and fun. It was so epic. Okay, we call this birth time. 
also from Anonymous on 6-2-23. I dreamed that I was very heavily pregnant, and it fell as if I would uh, give birth very, felt as if I would give birth very soon. Throughout the whole pregnancy, I never went to a doctor, so I didn't know how to how far into the pregnancy I was or when the possible due date would be, so I was always waiting for the labor to start. There was much suspense in not knowing when I would give birth. I felt I would be it would be very soon, but I really didn't know. Well, this could be very well the resurrection and birth of the man-child reformer ministry caught up to the throne of authority, which we have already been told is coming very soon. I didn't want to leave the house in case I was going to go into labor, but my husband wanted to go to the park. So I went with him. We were at the park, and there were a few other people there. A park, of course, is a place of rest, which comes to us when we have faith in the promises. Amen. Then an off-white colored van came, and some men got out and grabbed me and the other people that were at the park, and we were all put into the van. The men were kidnapping us, as they said it was because we are Jews. Well, the faction has hatred for the circumcised in heart New Covenant Jews, and that would be the true Christians. And they have tried to keep us in bondage by their witchcraft and slander, which can't happen, but it is a good exercise in order to come into righteousness. I was confused, and I asked them why they thought we were Jews. And they said it was because we were at a Jewish park. (laughs) I then started testifying about how amazing Jesus is and what he saved me from and brought me into. Well, this represents our good confession of the word before men, which brings the power of God to us, right? One of the men who kidnapped me started feeling really guilty because I was pregnant and he wanted to let me go, but I felt guilty about being the only one to be let go. I kept being joyful and in a peaceful state, and I was praising God. We didn't get very far from the park when the men who kidnapped us, felt so guilty that they pulled us over to let us all go. Proverbs 16 and 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Yes, enemies um, are for the purpose of sanctifying us, and um, crucifying us, and so on. But when you're there, you don't need that anymore. 
So as we rest and praise God and confess his word, we will be set free from all the Haman, Absalom, Herod, Judas, Edomite bondages. And then the man-child will be born as in the rest of this text. When I got back home, I started to feel that I was about to go into labor. There it is. So I called Michael Hare to ask him to pray with me. He didn't know I was pregnant until now, and he asked me how far along I was, and I said I have no idea. And I told him I had been going by faith for this whole pregnancy. He prayed, and I started going into labor very quickly, and the whole labor was so quick and better than I expected. And Michael was on the phone with me the whole time. Well, he whose name means who is like God will believe uh, to bring pass this birth of the resurrected man-child reformer ministry. So, you know, uh, Michael here could represent a large group of people who are like God, you know, and they are always a help. They're always, you know, wanting to promote the kingdom. Well, this one we call The Time is Close, <laughs> once again. And this was given to Vanessa Weeks on 6-6-23. In a dream, the locals from UBM were sitting in our chairs at the steward's house, just like we do for our meetings there. A steward is the official in charge of a noble household and its treasury, and we are in the house of the king. Amen. Michael, meaning who is like God, was standing and asking us what time it was, and it seemed he was doing this a few times. What time, right? Then he was sitting in his seat and looking at his silver, old-fashioned pocket watch with Roman numerals. It reminds me of the kind of train conductors used. As Michael uh, looked at the watch, he said, Well, it looks close. I was standing to his right, and at this point I saw the watch was at two minutes until 12. I knew Michael was anticipating something that was going to happen soon. Well, I think 12 o'clock represents the coming of the Lord in the man-child, a time of judgment on the wicked, and many will, of course, miss being in the bride or even the virgin bodies of people because they had no oil in their lamps. Matthew 25 and 6. But at midnight there was a cry, as you're 12. It was a cry. Behold, the bridegroom, come ye forth to meet him. Amen. And I asked the Lord for a word about this dream and received by faith at random Acts 8 and 22. And my finger was on, repent. Mm. 
Acts 8 and 22 says, Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray the Lord, if perhaps the thought of thy heart shall be forgiven thee. Well, remember, there's only two minutes left to repent here. I asked the Lord what was close and received by faith at random, Ezekiel 1 and 13. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire like the appearance of torches. The fire went up and down among the living creatures, and the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. Well, what is close is this fire. And uh, so is, we know, the coming of Jesus in the man-child Reformer ministry with judgment. Isaiah 40 and 10 says, Behold, the Lord will come as a mighty one, and his arm will rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. So he is coming, as we know in the book of Isaiah coming to judge the Edomites. And, um, and spare his people. And he will come with his reward for the bride who endured the trials at the hands of the wicked whom he will judge. And Isaiah 62 and 11 says, Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the earth Say ye to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh. So he's coming to save his people and his bride first, you know, the daughter of Zion. That's, of course, our day of Zion, not way back at the beginning. This is the daughter of Zion. And behold, thy salvation cometh, and his reward is with him. and his recompense before him. So we see it once again. This reminds me of Shalanda's vision of the red sand in the hourglass. Yes, it does. The red sand was coming to an end. So we'll share that. Time is almost up. Marie Kelton, 3623. Then, a little while later, the Lord gave me another open vision. The Lord was sitting next to me, to my left. He then tapped my shoulder and said, Marie, look. He looked, uh, he showed me a black wristwatch, which I believe talks about judgment coming in time, right? That he had on his right wrist. The Lord then turned his wrist towards me, and I saw that the watch had an hourglass in it with red sand instead of the regular numbers and hands. The sand 
which is called in the scriptures the seed of Abraham, was almost at the bottom of the hourglass with a little bit left at the top. I had the thought that time was running out. Yes, it is. And we know that the seed of Abraham uh, was twofold. Um, Jacob and Esau, for instance. And uh, Jacob he loved and Esau he hated. The Lord I'm talking about. Uh, His work is almost through on the bride and uh, the enemies will be removed uh, for the red Edomites. Fall is almost complete as it was in Scripture. So this sand, uh, this red sand, was almost all fallen through the hourglass. Amen? So this one we called each grain of sand, Marie Kelton, 522-23. During the meeting, I had an open vision of the Lord's arm and his hand, and in his hand was sand. The Lord began to pour the sand out of his hand. And as the sand was pouring out of his hand, it turned into blood and began to pool on top of the sand that was below it. I heard a voice say, Abraham's seed. Well, let me say the uh, wicked faction are guilty of the blood of the saints, very obviously. She said, I thought of this verse, Genesis 32 and 12, and thou saidest, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for multitude. True, there are more people living today that are Christians than have ever lived before in history. Do you understand this geometrically multiplying? And as we go into the tribulation, it's going to explode. Then we call this one preparation for his coming. Tiana Fire, 6 I dreamed that Samuel and I had moved into a new house, moving closer to Jesus or Mount Zion. And David Eels and Brandy lived together a few streets away. David represents the father and Brandy represents his son, Jesus, as we will see. And of course, Brandy is one of my spiritual sons, so that kind of fits. And Brandy was going to come over to see us on a specific day. And until that day, we were preparing everything for him. So we know that the son here is being representing Jesus. And Jesus is coming in his man-child at God's perfect timing. But we don't know the day or hour, only the season and times. Um, So we just have to always be prepared. So they're preparing for this coming. Mark 13, 32 and 33. But of that day or that hour knoweth no one, not even the angels in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. 
So he's coming with the latter rain anointing of the Holy Spirit, according to Hosea 6, 2 and 3. That's how he's coming, as the latter rain. We completely cleansed the house. We must cleanse ourselves and our old mindset of worldly influence. We tidied the house, and we got new furniture and decorations that Brandy would like, as we wanted to make everything look nice for him. And 2 Corinthians 7.1, Having therefore these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And of course, we know Paul's not crazy, so this you're capable of doing this. And Proverbs 9 and 1, Wisdom hath builded her house, she hath hewn out her seven pillars. And Proverbs 24, 3 and 4, Through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge are the chambers filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And this, of course, is how we get prepared for the coming of the Lord. We went to purchase the food that he loves, and we wanted everything to be just perfect for him, and we wanted to please him. Yes, we do want to please the Lord. Romans 12, 1-21 I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. And be not fashioned according to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We were so very excited for Brandy to come over It's all we could think about. And we did everything we could for us and the house to be pleasing unto him. Philippians 4, 8 and 9 says this, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. So the things which you both learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do. And the God of peace shall be with you. So rejoice. Because he's promising in these dreams to come soon. This one we call Bride Preparing for the King. Again, Anonymous 3923. I dreamed that I, the bride, was married to a man who was a king or a prince. Well, that's logical. This man represents Jesus who is king and prince uh, in the man-child body. 
In the dream, we lived in a giant mansion, and the king or prince was very rich, and I stayed with him in the master bedroom, like Esther and the king, right? There were five or six women, uh, probably representing the churches mentioned in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, who were given correction to overcome and submit to Jesus. These women also lived in this house apart from the cooks and the cleaners, etc. And these women shared three bedrooms that were joined together with a shared open lounge room area. And their area was on the other side of the house, far from the master bedroom. Yes, and that's very symbolical too. At this time, I was preparing these women to meet with or be joined to and also married to my husband. Well, we'll explain this more as we go by. The Philadelphia church is the bride who was an example to the other six churches of how to submit to the king. The king or prince was waiting downstairs while I was upstairs with these women. At first, the women's clothing wasn't clean or matching. That sounds like um, Jude 1 and 23. And some save, snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. So your garment, of course, is your works, and spotted by the flesh is those dark blotches <laughs> on your garment. It seemed like they did not know how to be hygienic. So I had to instruct them all to take a shower. And they had no other clothes other than what they were wearing. So I think this is representing that they didn't know how to cleanse themselves of self-works of the flesh by using the promises in the Bible. In 2 Corinthians 7, 1 again, Having therefore these promises, brethren, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So, we can take the promises and believe on them and enter into the rest that they give, and God will do the rest. Amen? So I went and got some of my own clothes from the wardrobe in the master bedroom to give to them, uh, representing to put on more of the works of the bride. The bride is going to be an example to the people in the tribulation period of what, what it is that the king loves, right? So the women didn't leave this, this joint area at all. And I think that is because this is the house of the women, that the Bible talks about in the book of Esther, um, who, by the way, turned out to be chosen as the bride. I gave one of the ladies a white shirt and a white skirt and three other ladies white dresses. These white clothes represent righteous and pure acts. The bride in Revelation 19 wore the brilliant 
lampros garments, where we get our word lamp from. It's shining, not white, but bright. While the lesser saints had a leukos, or merely white, garment. Revelation 3, 4, and 5 says, But thou hast a few names in Sardis that did not defile their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh shall thus be arrayed in white garments, and I will in no wise blot his name out of the book of life. So those that come into the overcoming stature, um, I don't believe will get blotted out of the book of life. They're overcomers. And I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. I gave the clothing to them, and they went to get dressed. However, they were not pleased that everything was all white. And they did not like the dresses and skirts. So I went and grabbed my red skirt and a few bright-colored ceres and more white tops and gave these items to them, too. One woman was, one woman was now wearing a white shirt with a bright orange sari skirt. And another woman was wearing a white shirt with a bright red sari skirt. And I don't remember the other colors. Well, the virgins in Esther were not prepared and all needed instructions, right? Um, I believe desiring other colors is an attachment to the world. Esther 2 and 12 says, now when the turn of every maiden was come to go in to King Ahasuerus, so were the days of their purifications accomplished, to wit, six months with oil of myrrh, six months with sweet odors, and with the things that, uh, for purifying of the women. Well, it's best to let the Holy Spirit dress us according to the king's liking, if you're trying to impress the king, right? Now, when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, that's the man-child in that text, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go in unto the king. She required nothing but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women appointed. So she wanted only what the Holy Spirit knew was the right thing that would please the king, the right works that would please the king. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. I spent much time trying to prepare these women and I had to tell them what to do with preparation, washing themselves, brushing their hair, teaching them manners, and generally what to do as they didn't know what to do. I also had to keep encouraging them to get ready as they had no motivation and they were very slack and uh, taking a long time. I had been in this area helping them for a very long time.
Well, the apostate church does not know how to use the water of the word to cleanse themselves and make themselves ready to be chosen by Jesus to be in the bride. And they have many false images of the Lord and doctrines that don't motivate them to holiness. So they need others to instruct them in the ways of righteousness, and they need to hear the real gospel and be filled with the Holy Spirit to be ready. Then the king called me downstairs to where he was. I was surprised because I thought he would call down these women who I had been preparing. We needed to keep discipling and leading these people in fellowship for the direction uh, and manifestation of Christ. So I went to the king and I told him I had cleaned them up as much as I could and tried to prepare them to his standard for them to be married to him. He then told me he doesn't expect them to get to his full standard and that he is just pleased with me for trying. Well, only the bride comes up to this standard. The rest of the women, the queens and the virgins and the concubines mentioned in Esther, uh, Song of Solomon, uh, are concubines. That's why they weren't expected to come up to the full standard of the bride. They're concubines. In Esther 2 and 14, In the evening she went, and on the morrow she returned into the second house of the women. So that's what happened to each one of the women previous, right? To the custody of Shashgag, the, uh, the king's chamberlain, who kept the concubines. So all of these women were concubines. She came in unto the king no more, except the king delighted in her, and she were called by name. So, um, well, in the Bible, concubines were below the level of the first wife, and uh, for they were forbearing more children. Hagar was a concubine because uh, they were having trouble bearing. So they reached out and grabbed this concubine, this Egyptian concubine. The Lord has uh, many women, which are religious groups, who uh, receive his seed of the word more or less. But the bride obeys it all. She is white. She is dressed in white bright. White bright, right? I stayed and spent time with him, and he was pleased with me. And he did not call any of the other women, even though I had spent much time preparing them, and thought that they would all be married to him too. Well, Esther 2, 15-17. Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go in unto the king. She required nothing but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, keeper of the women, appointed. In other words, only what the Holy Spirit knew 
The Spirit of God knows the things of God, the Bible says. He knew what was right. And we know from the Scripture what is right and what are the right works, right? And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. So Esther was taken unto the king Ahasuerus into his house royal in the tenth month, which is the month Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained favor and kindness in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Well, his will be done, and being obedient and trying to honor our Lord is better than our understanding of accomplishments, right? We know Vashti would not come when she was supposed to come, when she was called. She was a rebellious Jezebel. (laughs) So, this one we call, Man-Child Takes Bride to the Marriage Feast. Yes, indeed. And this is Tiana Fire 3-2-23. I was staying in a penthouse apartment at a hotel that overlooked a great view of forests with the ocean close to the hotel. Well, the penthouse represents the dwelling in the heavenly places in Christ. And I believe the forests represent the wilderness life. And the ocean represents what the the book of Revelation calls the, the waters or the peoples, tribes, nations, and tongues, right? And it represents the quickly approaching beast because we know that all those people are part and members of the body of the beast. And that the threat will take down the enemies. Yes, we've been told that. The one beast succeeds another and so on and so forth. And uh, we've been told by the Lord that this, the Babylonish beast, before it goes into obscurity, is going to take down the enemies of God's people. And I believe it's going to happen mostly by plague. Only God's creation could be seen out of the giant clear window that took up two walls in the room. So a giant window represents seeing afar in the spirit and having good eyesight, very good eyesight. I was with two young toddlers who were my sons in the dream. And we believe that this is probably the two witnesses who are offspring of the bride body in the scriptures. I was showering them in a giant double head shower and getting them ready to go out. So this is cleaning up the two witnesses so that they could go out two by two, as they did with Jesus. You remember? He sent them out two by two. That was his two witnesses, believe it or not. Both toddlers were wearing bright, sky-blue, long-sleeved, smart work shirts. Well, the work shirt uh, represents working to bring in the harvest, I believe. I also got ready as we had a special celebration to go to. All right. When we were ready, 
The three of us went down to the hotel lobby, and we stood in front of an orange wall as I was fixing up their shirts and shoes and double-checking that they were ready. I then looked over to my right, and I saw a man who was wearing the exact same adult-sized work suit shirt and my son's in the same blue color. Well, this man represents the corporate body of Jesus in the man-child, and the other man is also a corporate body. Okay, we'll see that in a minute. In the natural, we were told that Michael Hare is also part of the man-child body. Um, so let me say this, that the, um, the Jesus, of course, raising up these two witnesses to go out uh, is uh, at the beginning of the tribulation. And, of course, in the middle, uh, they uh, went solo and so on. So the man was sitting comfortably on a red couch talking to Michael Hare, who was on a giant TV screen. <clears throat> Michael means who is like God. And I believe that both of these men are corporate bodies. So in this case, we're seeing that he represents the extended body of people who are like God that we will minister to worldwide by satellite, internet, and TV screen, and they will minister to us. So, this two-way communication by TV and computer screen is becoming more common, obviously. We did this twice yesterday on Zoom, and we did it on Skype a few days before that. And we have ministered to our missionaries the same way, giving them wisdom for what they're doing. And we will be using a new satellite system that is much higher technology and more capable of many more things. Well, uh, she went on to say they were having a deep and long conversation. Yes, indeed. Well, we know the man-child needs to minister to those who are like God. Suddenly I heard Michael call my name, but he sounded as if he had he was standing right next to me, <laughs> which is true. You know, the bride and the two witnesses will reach the world, and many will gather around them and follow them into the kingdom. So I turned to my other side and I saw a giant TV screen with Michael live on it. <clears throat> the TV had just appeared and turned on when he wanted to talk to me. Of course, that's happened with us too. People who wanted to talk to us uh, turned on their screen and through Skype or... Uh, and, and by the way, this is going to be on a much larger scale, uh, capable of two-way conversation. And it wasn't there before. Michael told me to go over with my sons and sit on the couch with this man, so we did. You know, what is this? Disciples abroad will want to be in on our studies with the local disciples like they are in our older studies. 
Like Jesus led the bride and the two witnesses to go to the world, so it will be. Our older teachings are two-way between us and the disciples, which all uh, out there partake of. We had a long conversation with Michael, but I don't remember what he said. Our conversations will go worldwide even as we do on a much smaller scale now. This we've been told. The next thing I remember was that we got into a car belonging to the man wearing the blue work shirt, and we were going to a party or celebration that we had been preparing for. Well, that man, of course, was the man-child. And uh, these people needed to go to this celebration because it represented the seven-year marriage feast in the tribulation. But we had to make a few stops on the way. I sat in the middle back seat with my sons on either side of me. The man, which is the man-child, sat in the driver's seat, and there was a woman wearing a navy blue dress sitting in the passenger seat. I think she might have been the man's mother. And it seemed that she wouldn't be coming with us all the way and would get dropped off next. Well, she could represent uh, the mother churches that the man-child came out of. Uh, many of whom have a little interest like in Jesus' day. And there was a purple grape juice drinking drink sitting in the cup holder. And I believe the grape juice represents drinking and living the life or blood of Jesus. He said, except you eat my body and drink my blood... You have no life in you. So we drove to my mother's house that looked nothing like her house in real life. Uh, In the dream, my mother was Indian, and she wore a purple dress. I think the, well, that's obviously looks like um, royalty. And I'm thinking that this represents Vashti, who would not come when the king called for her, as it was with Jesus. She would wear royalty, right? Esther 1 and 12. But the queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment by the chamberlains. Therefore was the king very wroth, and his anger burned in him. And so the king sought a new wife, as we know the bride. She wasn't ready or there was no room for her to come with us. That's right. (laughs) We left without her and went to drop off the woman in the navy dress before going to the celebration. Yep, that all fits the scenario that we brought out there. Okay, we call this taught to be caught up to the throne. Do you want to be taught that way? Well, this is anonymous, 117.23. They said, I dreamed that I was at my grandma's house, even though she isn't on earth anymore, but her husband is. 
So those who delivered the original gospel are not on earth in the natural anymore, but Jesus' spirit is, and he is their husband, and uh, still is that original gospel that has not passed away. And as I was walking around the house, I went into the lounge room where there were quite a few different people gathered that I did not recognize. If you spend time in the gospel, you will find other believers that too uh, who are resting in God's promises. But there was one particular man who was talking about some men that he had been raising up or preparing to be caught up to the throne. In other words, to be part of the man-child ministry. In full, but many of those men ended up turning away from this man or they fell away during training. Well, that happened, and that's what the faction was all about. It was these people who were brothers of Jesus, killed by Herod, and taken out, right? So, we trained men how to be caught up to the throne, but they didn't want to lose their old life, and so God turned them over to sin to remove them. And many believe that they are the man-child, but these will fall away if they are not, right? Only the man-child body will overcome like that. Matthew 22 and 14, For many are called, but few are chosen. But this man was raising up or training other men to take their place and to be caught up to the throne in, in full now. But he was needing more men to train. There were many men in the room also listening to this man speak. And those who refuse the crucified life will not go to the throne of authority. If it's no cross, it's no crown. It's just that simple. And Matthew 25, 28 and 29 says, Take ye away, therefore, the talent from him, and give it unto him that hath the ten talents. For unto every one shall, that hath shall be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from him that hath not, even that which he hath shall be taken away. And he's talking about fruit. You'll notice how the people who are removed lost all of their fruit. They didn't lose a slick tongue. They can fake it, but they don't have the fruit of Jesus and they don't respect the Word of God. So, in Revelation 3.11, I come quickly, hold fast that which thou hast, that no one take thy crown. The man was sitting on a couch and I was sitting on a different couch that was next to his, but I was facing the man's side and and back as he talked. He made it known that there have been men that, ha, that have and will manifest Jesus in the physical life while they are on earth. It was clear to me that these men will never physically die like Enoch and Elijah, and that this is possible for those who want Jesus to live in them fully while in the flesh. Amen. 
He spoke about how Jesus can only manifest through people when they allow him to, and he wants to manifest through people, even manifesting fully in their physical body. He kept assuring us that Jesus will manifest fully in the physical soon, and his people are in training. He assured me that for those who truly desire to be used for Jesus, it will happen. But the individual person is the only hindrance, and everything comes by God's grace. Yes, that's true. Revelation 22 and 7 says, And behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the words of the prophecy of this book. Amen. And Matthew 16, 24 through 28. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever would save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what shall a man be profited if he shall gain the whole world and forfeit his life? In other words, forget the distractions, run after Jesus, right? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall he render to every man according to his deeds. Verily I say unto you, there are some of them that stand here who shall in no wise taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So I was thinking, I want Jesus to manifest through me in my physical body in full. But I thought that it isn't possible for me because I am a woman. Well, let me say that women can have a hundredfold fruit, but cannot hold the apostolic ministry of a man-child. That's why they're called a man-child. Which office only men can have. I also thought that uh, I am not worthy for that. But I felt that Jesus can do anything, and I knew that I cannot do that myself. not in my own ability. Jesus has to do this himself through me. Amen. Yes, through a woman's faith and obedience, she can manifest Jesus. But the word says, I permit not the woman to teach or to take authority over the man, which is what the man-child must do if he's going to fulfill his ministry, right? He's still the head. I desired to ask the man if he could help me as I wanted to learn to surrender completely to God. But I didn't want to bother him, and I was too shy to speak to him, so I didn't ask him anything. But I sat there and listened to all that he was saying. Luke 10 and 39 
And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and heard his word. But one thing is needful, for Mary hath chosen the good part. That's verse 42. Which shall not be taken away from her. Amen. So, this is a good time to uh, draw near to the Lord and uh, manifest His Son. Amen. But then the man turned and looked at me as if he had read my mind, and he asked if I wanted him to help me or teach me, and I instantly said yes. I remember the man getting up and moving to sit on another couch, and I stood up and I could see all of him now. He had dark brown eyes, medium to dark brown skin, He looked very young as his skin was so clear. However, it felt like he was very old and had been around for a long time. This man felt so real and so present. Well, I suspect, okay, because of the restoration mentioned in Joel chapter 2, that this man will have the body of a younger man, but will be older. So, this person to me sounds like Jesus or someone in his image to me, okay? The man coughed, and I and another man instantly said, Get off of him in the authority of Jesus. No unclean thing or sickness can be upon him, and it left instantly. We did that because we knew that sickness literally wasn't allowed and had no legal right to be on this man. But it also felt sort of like a test to see how we would react and if we would accept the cough or not. And when we rebuked this, it felt like we had passed the test or done the right thing. Amen. I remember the man kept saying the words caught up to the throne. And he said so much more, but I don't remember at all. But from everything that he said, I understood that it is possible for those who want Jesus in them in full white on earth. Like Enoch and Elijah. They can have that by God's grace. He said something about there having been others besides Enoch and Elijah that have been taken to heaven without physically dying. And he spoke about God wanting to manifest himself through humans like they were on earth. Hmm. Interesting. Suddenly, after this, I felt like this strong wind blow through me and I saw that the full manifestation of Jesus in flesh is true. And for those who desire it and believe for it, they will have it by God's grace. Yes, indeed. And Acts 2 and 2. 
And suddenly there came from heaven a sound as of a rushing of a mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Let me say, it's very hard to come into the fullness of Christ unless you have his Spirit. Okay? Everyone should be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't care what your religion told you how bad that was. You need the gifts and you need the Holy Spirit to come into that much of Jesus' image. And that's why Acts 2, 2 through 4 should be obeyed. The wind was so strong, and afterwards I saw that I had a slight doubt that it could happen for me. But as soon as I recognized the thought as doubt, I instantly thought and held on to, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. I then felt the wind push me back into my body or the physical as I suddenly woke up. Well, amen. How awesome. Well, I've gone a little bit over today, but that's okay. Father, we thank you so much for all this good exhortation and good wisdom. Uh, and uh, we ask, Lord, uh, that you do a mighty work in all those who want fully to be in Christ and him to be fully in them. Thank you, Father. Amen. God bless you, saints. <laughs>